This is a CJSR podcast. Volunteer powered. Listener supported. Campus and community. Radio. Podcast. Podcast. Radio. Radio and and podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So I went uh, to the mall with my partner and one of my titas was there and she was like, oh my God, Mika is with a boy um and my tita was like mutual friends with my partner's parents and my parents and so she called my mom and dad before (gasps) i got home she was like hey i don't know if you know but this girl is like at the mall with this guy hey raja hey mika what's the cheese miss this is what's the cheese miss a podcast about philippinex identity in edmonton Hello, everyone, and welcome to the special episode of What's the Cheese Mees. Today, I am joined by Mika and Ariane, two of my fellow producers on What's the Cheese Mees. And this episode is really going to dive into Filipino femininity. I was inspired to start this episode after I read an article from Cambio & Co., which is a platform that connects Filipinx people to their roots through fashion, beauty, and culture, whether that's through showcasing artisans and makers or through thought-provoking articles. The article I read was called Why It's Time to Rewrite Maria Clara and Our Filipina Story by Zia Assis. It opens by saying... In the Philippines, every high school student has to read two novels by our national hero, Jose Rizal, Nolemi Tangier and El Filibusterismo. One of Rizal's most famous characters is Maria Clara, the mestiza heroine and love interest of Nolemi Tangier's protagonist. Ask a Filipina about Maria Clara and they'll tell you about being compared to her as a traditional feminine ideal. Carmen Guerrero Nakpil, a prolific Filipino writer of the early 20th century even describes Maria Clara as the greatest misfortune that has befallen the Filipina in the last 100 years. Later on in the article, Assis says, quote, in the novels, Maria Clara is described as a devout Roman Catholic who became the epitome of virtue, demure and self-effacing, humorless and prone to fainting. Her traits were further described by Rizal as an oriental decoration with downcast eyes and a pure soul. She was bullied by her parents and abused by friars. At the end of the novel, she winds up in a nunnery only to be further abused there, end quote. Nakapil points out, quote, instead of giving their attention to her strength, her nobility, her inherent stubbornness, they made a cult of her capacity for fainting and blushing, end quote. This article really made me take a pause, and from it, I took on this message of how we need to redefine traditional Filipino gender roles. It's interesting that Maria Clara herself was not even the ideal that she became for generations of Filipino women. Yet for decades, Filipino women have been held to the standard of being demure, fair-skinned, and pure. And personally, I feel like Filipino women have to live up to this incredibly high standard in comparison to men. So for today's episode, I was inspired to send out a survey asking our viewers, family, friends, their thoughts on Filipino femininity. The responses are completely anonymous, and who better than the ladies of What's the Chismis, or our chismosas, as I am now calling it, to read out and discuss. So quickly, let's have everyone introduce themselves. Let's start with Mika. Cool. Hi. Yeah, my name is Mika. My pronouns are she, her. Um, And I'm really excited to be going through these responses today and to discuss um, 
things about Filipino femininity and just other gender norms that maybe exist in my space and other people's spaces, maybe even outside of the Filipino community too. And then next we have Ariane. Hi, yes, it's me, Ariane. I'm one of the newer members of What's the Cheese I'm so happy to be here. Uh, I'm pretty excited too, just especially being um, a Filipina integrated in such a Western culture. I just want to see what the differences are and, you know, how everyone else experiences almost the same shared experiences we all do as Filipina exes. The first question is, what are some words that you think of when you think of the word Filipina and Filipina femininity? So the first uh, answer we have is balasang. I had to look this up, but apparently it's an Ilocano word that means a young, usually a married woman of refinement and grace. Then some words that came up were beautiful, exotic, nurturing, giver, powerful, delicada, so delicate, mahinhin, which means modest, makinis, which means smooth or clean, um, caretaker, and then this next one was quite a long response that I would like to read out. I think about strength, hope, pain, loneliness, sacrifice, and care. Filipino women are the backbone of each family and often the ones who do the most work with the least recognition and respect. I think Spanish colonization has really created an environment where Filipino women are still stuck in the home. Despite women being the primary breadwinners and the only ones who are most likely to go abroad to earn money, they're scrutinized for being bad mothers because most migrant women who work abroad don't get to see their children often. It's a very interesting conundrum. Filipino women who leave their homes to work abroad so they can send remittances are celebrated because of their economic contributions, but are also scrutinized because they're not fully in their roles as home caretakers and rearers of children. I think popular media has taken the term Pinay and has over-sexualized it. So Filipina and Filipina femininity is something celebrated, but also masked in so many power imbalances that still harm people today. So I wanted to start out and, and ask you guys what words you personally think of when you think of Filipina and Filipina femininity. Oh, it's a loaded question, Raja. <laughs> I know, I, I threw so much at you. No, no, it's all good. I think... <laughs> Um, I don't know. I was just kind of listening to all of the words that were listed by all of our participants for your survey. Um, huge shout out to everyone who was willing to answer those questions. I think it was very interesting because I, I, I personally probably have some subconscious bias or um, what's the word prejudice against myself mostly. Um, especially with the word like exotic really irked me because I don't know if any other Filipinas have experienced this but you know like especially men mostly men I should say will come up to me like oh you're so exotic like especially in the bars like look at you you're tan glowing skin girl it's and then ever since I've just been correlated as a Filipina to be a symbol of lust I suppose or you know something of that sorts to other men who aren't in our Filipino community. It's just, I, I am, what I'm trying to say is I'm really proud of whoever has answered these questions with such positive lights and calling us strong and um, resilient and, you know, able to work so hard for our families. Because meanwhile, in the back of my own head, I'm like, no, we're just, <laughs> you know, these 
quote quote exotics with accents and like dark skin that you no know, one likes here in North America. So it's just uh and I'm having an internal conflict listening to the words that have been answered for this question. Mika, I want to see and and hear what you think about all of this so far. Yeah. Um, I know that the respondents are anonymous, but I was, that was my response. The one that you read out, um, the one where it was like resilient and like hardworking and sort of talked about women being breadwinners, but also under the constraints of like motherhood and home takers and all the gender norms that sort of come with being a woman. Um, and it's not just like in the Filipino community, I think a lot of communities are experiencing like this revolution all over again where women are taking like more roles in like work um and even like men just like taking more roles in the household and that's a huge like dynamic shift as well um but my parents like to use this phrase when they refer to me either as a joke or either like a sense of pride i think it's a little bit of both but it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, it's matapang na babae, which means brave woman. Um, and so they'll say it like whenever I'm being like strong-minded or whenever I'm being like very strong-willed, but they'll also say it when I've done something well. So it's this weird thing where they call me brave, but it feels like I'm, I shouldn't be. Like I, I shouldn't be strong-willed. I should not be as loud. I should be docile and I should be just like accepting of things. Um, and so I take pride in being called brave, but I, a part of me is like, oh, why are you remarking on it? Like, you don't say that about any of like my male cousins. You don't say it about my brother. It's just when I am speaking that you'll say that I'm brave. So next question, in your view, are men and women in the Filipino community treated equally regardless of gender? Please share examples in your own life when you felt like you were treated differently by people in the Filipino community because of your gender. So just gonna go on reading them out again. No, Filipino culture has pretty obvious traditional gender roles. Women are supposed to be pure virgins that do the cooking, cleaning, raising children, for example, in my own life, my mom expects me to put in a shift of housework after coming home from work, and she just lets my dad sit around on his phone scrolling through Facebook because he is tired from work. I was a tomboy growing up, and this wasn't widely accepted. I learned early that there were expectations of women versus men, and that there were certain ways we were expected to act. Gentle, lovingly, not playing rough sports, expected to listen more because I was a girl, and this next one is a bit longer too. I've always felt there were different expectations regarding manners in growing up between me and my brothers from my family. At a young age, my family always expected me to be more tactful than my brothers and to avoid being too loud or opinionated. They would always say, okay, so this is a Hili Gangnong phrase. I think I, I don't know if I said this right, but um, I'm going to try my best at it. Indina amo ang batasang sang babayi, which translates to that's not how girls act. Whenever I express myself more, especially when I get angry or say no, there is the expectation that girls are meek, quiet, and hard headed. 
I was also expected to keep my opinions to myself. I'm not sure if this is a gender thing or is more related to Filipino tradition of keeping face slash not upsetting elders or a mix of both. Apart from this, I'm expected to care for my parents when they get old. I have mixed feelings about this. Of course, I love my family, but I also want to pursue my own interests that may take me to a different city than where my parents live. I think Filipino families do believe in the saying, boys will be boys. These ideas permeate in Filipino families' leniency with, when disciplining boys. I was always held to a higher standard of knowing better because I am a girl. I am a middle child, which makes this all the more frustrating. And then they also said, girls who are also the eldest are the real MVPs. Mika, are you the eldest in your family? Uh, yeah, I am the eldest daughter um, out of myself and my younger brother, which is a very interesting dynamic. And then they go on to say, however, the more nuanced answer here would be that I felt more empowered as a woman back in the Philippines than I ever did here in Canada. The statement is not to say that gender norms in the Philippines are not problematic, but that gender experience slash treatment is different there. When discussing gender norms or treatments, it is important to recognize that experiences in the low-income working class backgrounds experience life differently. Although domestic and care work are expected from women, affluent Filipino women do not perform this work. They can hire other women to do this for them while they go out and pursue careers. Additionally, Filipino men from low and working class backgrounds are also expected to perform domestic and care work. Albeit some domestic roles are considered to be a woman's job, like cooking and child rearing, it's not unheard of for men to take up these roles, especially when their wives are migrant workers. We even see this happening in families that do not have migrant workers. Most Filipino families don't get to be picky about their domestic life when they're concerned about their finances. The Philippines also has a weird obsession with putting school smart people on a pedestal. It's obviously another sign of privilege, especially because it's wealthy people who get to the best schools and receive the best education. Nonetheless, this obsession resulted in parents supporting and funding their female children's education. My parents invested a lot for me to get extra tutoring, Saturday math classes, and writing workshops because I was considered school smart. My brothers were never given the same opportunity. My parents were happy if they just passed their classes. Families were more concerned about their children getting top marks and honors in school than they were concerned about whether their child succeeding was a boy or a girl. It's not a novelty or surprising when Filipino women pursue careers in male-dominated fields like STEM, medicine, or law. The thinking seems to be that if someone's smart, obviously they should be pursuing these careers. I find this thinking to be present both in the Filipino community in the Philippines and in Canada. So uh, this person goes on to say, there's no doubt in their minds that I can become successful if I wanted to in a traditional male dominated field. This support is refreshing because it tells me that I have people in a corner who want me to succeed. I've always felt I could be anything I want to be in the Philippines if I work hard enough. Maybe that's just naivete of a young person, but that hope was certainly better than the feeling of being a working class woman of color in settler colonial Canada. I think a lot of this feeling had a lot to do with a loss of privilege. I was smart back home. Yes, I was a woman, but I was school smart, so I had some social capital for people to pay attention to what I said. However, being smart isn't treated the same here. You also need to be the right type of smart, middle class and or white. 
Otherwise, your ideas or opinions are considered radical, or you have to spend a lot of time trying to explain yourself in academic spaces. Nonetheless, having the ability to pursue careers doesn't negate that the Filipino community needs to stop having a double standard in their expectations of how a girl versus a boy should behave. So back to the second question, I wanna ask you too, are men and women in the Filipino community treated equally regardless of gender? I feel I wanna say no. I really wanna say no. And speaking just from personal experience, like my mom, for example, Obviously, she lives here and she works very, very hard. Um, and she sends money back home to my Lola. And, you know, she's never had my Lola or Lolo take care of myself or my sister. None of that. Like, and my mom has told me explicitly, I refuse to ask for help. Like, I will find a way to do it myself. Meanwhile, my Tito has four children that from a very young age have all been taken care of by Lola and and Lolo and you know it's interesting because my grandparents are I think in their 80s now and they're they're not retired Um, they're still taking care of these four kids Uh, they're unfortunately my uncle has also suffered from a stroke so they're now they're taking care of him but it's no big deal right nobody bats an eye it's all okay and it's just very interesting to see because I don't have brothers so I watch the way the different male and female genders are held to different lights based on what I've just seen from the other side of my family and it's um I it's a hard no for me (laughs) that's my answer yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I I feel like all of us just want to be like no yeah (laughs) next question no (laughs) and then I want to talk about you know examples in your own life when you felt like you were treated differently by people in the Filipino community because of your gender so to preface this I feel like we're judged very much within that binary space when we as Filipino women deviate from that when we act like in the way a girl is not supposed to act if we're a tomboy if we're you know not identified within these words that you think of when you think of Filipina and Filipino femininity then it's like what's wrong with you you're you're seen as different it's like why are you going against the grain so much you know sometimes we don't identify fully with one gender or the other and I'm I think they'll, there will be, you know, non-binary people listening to this and gender diverse people listening to this who are a part of the Filipino community thinking about how, yeah, I was, I was told to act a certain way and to, you know, remain within this binary. So yeah, experiences of being treated differently, if you have any, because of your gender within the Filipino community. Yeah, I, I guess I can go. I think that my parents were really good at like providing equal opportunity for my brother and I, but definitely the way that you had to get to that endpoint looked different. So it was equal opportunity, but different treatment to get from point A to point B. Um, and often like a like a lighthearted example that I often use uh, whenever I have to like explain these types of things to my like non like POC or, or person of color friends is just to be like, yeah, um, I got my driver's license quite late. I think I got it when I was um, in my second year of university. So I would have been like 
19 or 20 years old. Um, and my brother got his when he was 16. So right when you could get it and he like drove to school, he like drove his friends to school. He like drove himself to like wherever he needed to be for like after school and like extracurricular sport activities. He drove himself to like cadets and stuff. And I was out here taking that sweet ETS bus like 10 minutes late every now and then, you know, running for your connection. Um, and I would often ask my parents, like, why didn't you let me get my license when I was in high school? Like I was the most like respectful daughter. Like I never did anything wrong. I don't think I ever like partied. I, I, my first high school party was when I was graduating and it was the grad, like after grad party. <laughs> um, so Same like, here. <laughs> right? So I'm like, I have done nothing wrong to mm-hmm. even like jeopardize my chance at like getting that sweet license. And they were just like, yeah, we can just drive you though. <laughs> like, like, just let us know where you need to go and we'll pick you up and drop you off. And, you know, your brother can pick you up and drop you off. And I was like, but you don't understand. Like, there is a freedom that comes with being able to move wherever you want to go. Um, and it wasn't until like my brother got his license and I, I began like asking him for rides that it was like, this is just unfair and just like inconvenient. Um, so I eventually like convinced my parents to let me get it. Um, and now I'm like the primary like driver in the house. So I guess it's just like with continuous like conversations and like just nagging and like trying to bring up different points on like why I should have the things that my brother does. It gets them there eventually, but it was definitely like a slow like negotiation process where I was the one doing most of the negotiating and they were the ones doing most of the the no. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's tough. Um, Again, like, it's so hard. Whenever I try to ask my mom for something, I feel like I already know the answer. Oh, (laughs) why do I know this feeling? (laughs) Ariane, something like in your soul was like, "Mm -hmm." mm -hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm, like snapping in the background over here. (laughs) It's, It's tough, though, because you're, the thing is, it's like you're not responsible for the wellness of other people but it feels like it (laughs) in the moment. You're like, oh, they're going to say no. They're going to be upset. They're going to be mad at me. Totally. Like, have you guys ever had, like, when you were younger, speaking of, you know, parties and all of that, right? Like, oh, my friend says, Ariane, just ask your mom. Ask your mom. You never know what the answer is. I'm like, you don't understand. I do. I know the answer. (laughs) I'm not even going up to her. (laughs) Yeah, like sleepovers. I've never been on a sleepover before. Ever? Well, I guess like the classic, like get your friends together, like on a after school on a Friday kind of thing, and then you hang out until like Sunday morning. I've never had that experience. My parents tried to allow me to replicate it, but it was at our house. So I was like, this is not a sleepover. This is just me having friends over at my house. Mm-hmm. I want to go to someone else's house. Um, and my brother like definitely got to go on field trips, uh, or not field trips, on sleepovers. And it was because he was a boy. Yeah, like I don't. I never understood that because even with me too. Like again, I don't have brothers, but I remember um, <clears throat> my friends would be like, "Oh, it's a school night," but someone invited everyone at ten in the evening to go to their house for a fire, and I, I just could never go. So I think one day I just blatantly asked, "I'm like, if I was a boy, would you let me do everything and anything I wanted?" And they actually answered, "Like, yep, <laughs> because you're a boy." I'm like, what the hell? No, I've had, I've had conversations like that too. I asked my mom 
you know, it's like, why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? And then she's like, well, you're a girl. I was like, I know, but I'm a good kid. Yeah. Like I'm not an irresponsible kid. Um, and even now when I'm thinking of, you know, the big things like moving out, you know, getting my own place, I would not even move like to the other side of town. I'd be moving like a neighborhood away. <laughs> um, but the thing is, it's like when I talk to my family about it, they're like, oh, but you're so young. You're a girl. But my brother, he moved out because of school. He and he moved out quite young, like younger than me as a student, like without a job. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I, I totally get that moving out part. Like I'm two years moved out, but even that was, a str- I think if I could really actually calculate it, I think I tried for a year and a half, just planting the seeds, you know, like the same way Mika did the driver's license. I'm like, oh, look, my friend moved out. What do you think? Right, just like little small seeds until, until I could, you know, <laughs> squeeze my way out of the whatever, bird hole I was able to squeeze out of. Live in Edmonton? Love hip-hop? Tired of driving out to Vancouver to see your favorite artists live? Well, you're not alone, and it sounds like the new podcast, High Level Hip Hop, is what your ears have been waiting for. What if I told you that you didn't have to make a pilgrimage to see an unbelievable hip-hop show? That hip-hop doesn't just exist at the top of the charts, It's right here, in your city, right now. Let High Level Hip Hop be your guide to the Edmonton scene as we look at the mind and motivations of local artists shaping it. Tune in every Tuesday at 9pm on CJSR 88.5 and find us on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. Bye humans. going through these answers now um I feel like we're going to identify with a lot of these this one kind of goes into what the what men can get away with as opposed to women in Filipino culture um this one starts off household chores I have a younger brother who's literally only two years younger than me but majority of my family members think I should know how to clean or cook because I'm a girl They don't expect a boy to do such things, so they tell me to do everything a lady should do. Also how I'm treated when I go out with friends. Even though I'm basically an adult, my brother has the opportunity to do whatever he pleases and goes wherever he wants with whoever he chooses. On the other hand, I have to tell everyone where I am at all times and go home at a certain time. This one said, boys slash men can get away with a lot of things, like still living at home with parents at the age of 30, bringing partners to parents' home late at night, have girlfriends stay over, are allowed to go out late at night, this feels very chismisy. Men within my immediate community are easily forgiven if they commit adultery. Mm-hmm. Yet when a woman simply wants to focus on her career a little more, they are deemed as someone who abandons their family. I know someone who is judged for dating a man deemed unworthy to their family. Yet when her brother had dated and married a woman who was worse off than her partner, no one batted an eye. This next person says, often my family speaks of how they would have made different rules if I had a brother. They include the types of jobs they would hope their son would have, being more lenient about curfews and relationships. This next one says, I have a younger brother, he's three years younger than me, and he has always had more freedom. This is something we've both talked about now that we're older. 
He's even admitted that he's taken advantage of the freedom my parents have given him and has felt bad that I never got to experience the same amount. And this person comes with examples. Oh, Mika, is this you? That's me. (laughs) (laughs) We were just talking about it. One, my brother got his license at 17. I got mine when I was almost 20. He was able to drive to school, take his friends to lunch, go on trips out of the city and sleep over at his friend's house. I was driven everywhere. A curfew was imposed on me. And I was often shamed for not being home on time, even though I was the older sibling and should have been accorded more freedom than my younger brother. Two, I wasn't allowed to date until I was in grade 12. My parents allowed my brother to start dating when he was in grade 10. Three, I grew up next to a Filipino household. They had two teenage boys that lived there. I was never allowed to go over to their house alone without my younger brother. Four, whenever I (laughs) trap, and in brackets it says extra. Whenever I travel to the Philippines, my male cousins have to drive me and take me everywhere. When my brother travels to the Philippines, he doesn't need a chaperone. And then this last one goes, I do not think we are treated equally. The earliest imposition of gender that I can recall is when my parents explicitly told me that my older brother was allowed to go out with his friends at night, and in contrast, I was not. I did notice that they allowed a great deal of independence once I was in grade nine, but I received a plethora of warnings far more than what my brother ever got. I'd be so bold as to say that he never got any warnings about being out late at night or not going to places alone. I also noticed gender roles when I was participating in church. For most of my life, I attended church with my parents and most of the congregation was Filipino and founded by Filipino members. The comments I would receive about becoming a Dalaga were centered around my appearance, weight, and not having a boyfriend. I would also be told to make sure I knew how to cook or it was implied that I was responsible for coddling my partner's emotions. I was burdened with the idea that if I present to be more masculine that I was labeled to be a lesbian, which had a negative connotation coming from them. That one, I I definitely feel that one because um, my cousin, I remember this, when she was at her grade nine graduation, uh, a mom said, oh, it's nice to see all the tomboys dressed up in dresses and, and got all dressed up. And my tita, in her mind, she thought tomboy, it meant lesbian. And she got mad. And I was like, oh gosh, but that's not the worst thing in the world to be. God forbid you don't stick within gender expression. Oh no. What? Oh no. That's funny too, because I remember when I was younger, I asked my dad, I'm like, dad, would you be upset if you had a gay son? He said, no, not at all. What if you had a lesbian daughter? Yeah, I'd be upset. <laughs> like, what? Ugh, it's such a, such a contrast. So our last question, building off the last question, are there examples in your life where gender norms in the Filipino community have changed your behaviors and decisions? So to start off, yes, because of these gender norms, I wanna live a life opposite of, from that. No kids, no husband, and just relying on myself and my own company to get me through life. If I'm expected to do all of this for my dad, I'm not gonna be transferring that energy to no, another man slash husband. When I was told I couldn't do anything, it pushed me more to do it and do it well. This made me very rebellious. However, I know there were also times where I would feel discouraged and wouldn't do the things I wanted to because of the reaction I got. Also, if there were expectations upon me, I would try simply because I felt the obligation to my parents and to fulfill their expectations. This was awful, but as a girl, 
women, I feel a deep responsibility to our culture and our elders as well. I think the biggest decision I have to make is to grow up quickly than my brothers. At a young age, I was responsible for keeping my brothers in line and through be and to be the responsible sibling. I was always the one that my parents trusted with our money allowances and to behave in family gatherings. I think this expectation made me very anxious and highly self-aware about my actions in public. Another would be feeling guilty when making a decision that's selfish. I really want to go to a different province for university, but I felt like that decision would betray my family. This guilt stems from the expectation that as women, we're supposed to be our family's caretakers. You can't take care of your family if you're making choices that don't involve them. This sometimes feels suffocating because I love my family, but I also want to know who I am as a person. Still, I can't say that gender norms have been very impactful in my life decision. It's a factor, but not the main catalyst in my life. As with many working class Filipino, Filipinos, financial constraints and the desire for upward mobility have influenced my behaviors and decisions more. In my opinion, femininity in Filipino culture can't be boiled down to different treatments between genders. It's entangled with issues of class, colonialism, and US imperialism. The experiences I lived or the actions I observed as noted in the previous question stemmed from the wealth gap created in the Philippines due to centuries of colonialism and the continuing US imperialism. This person says, yes, as a Filipino lady, I don't need to know everything about doing household chores. I find it acceptable that I don't have to cook or clean every day like a normal Filipino should, but at least I know how to do it. This person says, yes, as a female myself and growing up with these gender stereotypes, I have watched myself be very cautious when it comes to my own lifestyle. I have to prime my family into believing my decisions and actions are better than everyone else around me. I have to hold my partners, my career, and myself up in a certain light for them to remotely accept slash understand me. And deep down, I know if I were a son instead, anything I do or say would be accepted unconditionally. And this person says, females are typically meant to be subdued compared to males. This could include the jobs we have or how we act. Growing up in Canada has made me try to make decisions and behave in ways that push me outside of my comfort zone because I don't want to fulfill that stereotype. This person says, it's definitely emboldened my attitudes. I am more vocal now than I'm, now that I'm older and able to defend myself. However, in the past, I would feel really sad. My friends would ask me why my parents had so many rules for me. Like, why did I have to call them when I was out past curfew? It was difficult having to explain all of these rules to my white friends. Their parents let them do what they wanted and trusted them. I felt like I was always pleased for being a Filipino girl. I still feel that way sometimes. I'm 24 years old and I still find myself texting or calling my parents to let them know where I am. If that's not a conditioned behavior, I don't know what is. And lastly, I have decided to define femininity for me and take hold of my gender norms. Most of my life has been surrounded by the binary concept of boy and girl, in brackets, bakla, tomboy. So I wanted to make decisions based on what I wanted. My behaviors and decisions are from a desire to create a life that I am at peace with. So now I wanna ask you to, you know, where in your life gender norms 
in the Filipino community have changed your behaviors and decisions. I'm sure we can all think of examples off the top of our heads where we have or haven't done something because we felt imposed by these gender norms. Yeah, I used to I used to hide the fact that I was like dating. <laughs> um, so before I was allowed to date in grade 12, ooh, scandalous. Ooh, scandal. Right? <laughs> what is that about? Um, I went on a very <laughs> cheesy date with my my partner still today um, to Southgate. And we just like walked around the mall. Like we did laps around the mall. Um, and maybe this was not a very good date because if you know anything about like the stereotype, Filipinos like to go to the mall. It's air conditioned, there's food there. Sometimes there's like entertainment. Um, right it's just like a weekend sort of thing that you do sometimes after like going to church or just after like getting groceries or before getting groceries so i went uh, to the mall with my partner and one of my titas was there and she was like oh my god mika is with a boy um and my tita was like mutual friends with my partner's parents and my parents and so she called my mom and dad before <gasps> i got home she was like, hey, I don't know if you know, but this girl is like at the mall with this guy. Oh, God. Uh, and my parents, my parents are like, oh, interesting. And, and sort of like flip the script. Oh. And this is something so out of left field where I was like, are my parents rebelling against everything that they were brought up with? So I came <laughs> home and they were like, we know you were at the mall. We know, and it's okay because apparently this boy is from a good family. So, so <laughs> on. Um, so I, I guess I just like didn't have to hide it, and that was like the starting point where I began to realize that I can, like, begin to have conversations with my parents about these things, and that of course that I I probably will get burned in the end by bringing it up, but like it sort of began my trajectory as like thinking as an adult and maybe my parents tuned into the fact that like oh she's like older now so maybe we should like loosen the reins um so yeah i used to like hide things and i'm sure that like other filipino like boys or girls have hidden things from their parents you know or, or told a white lie just like who are you hanging out with and you're like oh just like hanging out at so-and-so's house their mom's going to be there where in reality you'd probably like you know go out of town and then you know just make up a lie that each of you would cover each other in case like their parents called you know so-and-so um so just stuff like that i wish that we didn't have to like tell white lies and that we could you know just openly have conversations but i also understand like this coded behavior of like not wanting to stress your parents out anymore because they're working so much or like not wanting to disappoint them. Um, but with that said, it sort of is sad because it stops you from having this really great, I guess, open relationship with your parents. Um, and maybe it stops you from having it in the future as well. Oh my God, just listening to you talk about that story in the mall, my anxiety went through the roof and I don't know why. I'm like, I'm not the one at the mall with the boyfriend. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I'm, I think I'm the same way just because of um, like how it kind of seeps into 
you know, like what's happening in my life, all of these gender norms and how us Filipinos in the community are raised. It's um, it's just really interesting because even like, for example, my I have cousins who are male, like they're they're boys, and they didn't finish university. Um, one of them had a baby quite young, but but they're okay. Like all all is okay with all three of them, even though they didn't finish university, even though they needed help from my dad to get jobs multiple times. But yet with me, it's like, oh Ariane, you you got to make sure you find a rich husband, okay? Even though you have your own career that pays you well, and you make sure that husband will treat you well. Like so, because of that, now my current partner, I'm always teaching him behind the sidelines. I'm like, listen when we see mom and dad, you pull your debit card as fast as you can. Like you pay for the meal, you know, like you gotta do this, right? And I'm like, oh dad, did you hear what he's up to? Amazing, hey? Like, you just have to, I don't know. And I don't, I don't, I hate to do that because I know how amazing my partner is. So I don't, it's a, I don't know if I'm making sense, but like, if I know how amazing my partner is, shouldn't that be enough? Like I shouldn't have to squeeze out a more dramatic characteristic of my partner just to make him look like, He's the best out there. Meanwhile, on the other side, my three cousins are not the best males out there, even though they're amazing people, but they're, it's fine. It's acceptable. It's, it's irritating that I have to, you know, prime my parents. <laughs> and especially, you know, Ariane, you mentioned before we were recording that your partner is white. My partner is also white. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you have to teach them all these Filipino values and, and cultural things get them ready. I, you know, when I talk to my, my partner about, you know, comments that I'll get from my family, he'll be like, oh, why don't you just, you know, tell them that it makes you feel upset. I was like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> That's unheard of. I, I find that, um, you know, my family is really learning though. Yeah, I agree. I think my family is the same thing. Um, I've taught my mom the mantra of um, let it go by Elsa in the movie Frozen. Oh. Um, and so whenever she's like worked up about things, I'll just like start humming it. And then it's sort of just like, she's like, yeah, everything is fluff. We're okay. Everything outside this, the cheese me sets going on has nothing to do with us. We're fine. Oh, that's so cute. And I find, you know, I think as, we get older we start to understand our parents more we start to understand especially like our moms our titas our lolas more but and I think you know having those conversations with them is really freeing because it's like telling them it's like I don't have to live like this and so do you like you don't have to live by these rules anymore and thank god for that dang there are so many arbitrary social norms and just like unspoken rules out there that just don't have to be you know and it'll be easier for everyone just to like chill and like be yourself and not have to worry about fitting within these like parameters that are so strictly bound Mm -hmm. that's sort of what i'm trying to do with my cousins i'm like yo if your parents are gonna like drag you for something, just call me. <laughs> I will be I will be the shield or like the person that they yell at and then they can hate me. Like I'm already out. <laughs> I'm like an adult now. So if ever you wanna like ride or you need someone to talk to, let me know. 
because yeah, it's definitely hard to to bridge that like generational and like cultural gap, especially if you're like the older sibling doing it for yourself and like your siblings. Just blazing a trail. <laughs> Guys, if I don't survive, this will be my last episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, like, this is my probably last... getting ready. <laughs> this is my last appearance on Once the Chiefs Meets. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is why it's the special one because Mika does not exist after this. What's the Chiefs Meets is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory. Today's episode was produced by me, Raj McGay, with the help of Mika Leonida and Ariane Baroma. You can find all our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and on our website, whatsthecheesemies.transistor.fm. You can also connect with us on Facebook at What's the Cheesemies CJSR, Instagram at What's the Cheesemies, or email us at cheesemies at cjsr.com. That's T S I S M I S. Salamat!